What is good, everyone, and welcome to the We Just Talk Wrestling podcast. My name is Kyle, and I am here with Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. We have a loaded show for you guys today, but as always, we will break down the weekly shows, going over any stories from all the different promotions. We will be reviewing WWE's Crown Jewel event today. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WJTW19. Give us five-star rating on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. So, Dylan, what got your eye in wrestling this week? All right, so I want to talk about something that we often don't discuss when it comes to the world of professional wrestling, and that is the business side of professional wrestling. So WWE just wrapped up their quarter three uh, conference call where uh-huh. they go over like their, their quarterly numbers and stuff like that. Um, it says that the company made a net revenue of $304.6 million, which was higher than the Wall Street Journal's expectations. Uh, most of that was due to uh, media rights uh, internationally, $233 million worth, um, and then the rest of it coming from live events and, and product uh, consumption. But that's not the biggest thing that I want to talk about. So uh, Nick Khan, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon pointed out uh, some stuff. They credited a lot of their revenue to the White Rabbit project, which ultimately led to Bray Wyatt's Um, extreme rules return and they said that the company moving forward wants to do a lot more cross-branding promotion like that where it's not necessarily something that's going to be on wwe tv every single week you can find it on multiple platforms uh trying to prove that wwe is a 24 7 operation so um as you remember the, the the qr codes and stuff like that they pop up on tiktok or they pop up in the background and something that wasn't talked about always on tv but it was always there you know what i mean so they said they want to run stories like that moving forward um which is obviously kind of what we knew with triple h he was going to be much more story driven and things like that however on the on the bad side of the quarter three stuff it turns out that the company spent 19.4 million dollars total this year um on the vince mcmahon investigation uh, which has now concluded. The third party is no longer there. The investigation is done, so they're no longer spending money doing that stuff. Vince is still the majority shareholder in WWE, and a lot of people thought that when the investigation was done, he would actually come back to the company. That is not going to happen. Triple H is still going to be the head of creative moving forward. Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon <clears throat> are still going to be co chairman um, uh, chair people. So Vince McMahon is in fact done with WWE. Good. That's kind of the biggest thing coming out of the quarter three is that Vince is not coming back at all. He is retired. He is done. Triple H is still in charge of the day-to-day TV stuff that we see and pay-per-views moving forward. And Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon are still going to handle big business. But overall, from what I can tell it, the quarter three has been deemed a success um, in WWE. They made a lot of money. And to be honest, fanfare is up as well with, with Triple H's creative direction and everything. So um, that's all I got. I know we don't talk about business stuff a whole lot with wrestling, but, uh, but uh, what do you think? I mean, it's, it's popping off right now with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was it? Clash of the Castle? That's what it was called. Mm-hmm. That did Stupid good numbers. And oh, remember, yeah. Survivor Series was sold out before War Games was announced. Yeah. So just, people were excited to see what Triple H had up his sleeve. 
they didn't even know they were getting war games. Now, yeah. can you imagine those ticket prices? I'm that? actually it, I'm actually happy you brought up that because they also announced, and I forgot to say this, WrestleMania has already sold 100,000 tickets for night one and night two. Unbelievable. We don't even know what's going to happen. at. I mean, we can predict, yep. but nothing has officially been announced other than a location for WrestleMania. So night one and night two combined, 100,000 tickets have already sold. So just imagine yeah. when Cody comes back, when, when, when the, the world title picture is a little clearer, if we do get The Rock, which is still a rumor. Or CM Punk. Shut up. I, I, hey, I, hey I, what I've seen this week, we'll, we'll get to that another time. But uh, He's got know, the bug, according to his friends. He's got the, he's got the wrestling bug God, back. That would break the whole internet. Anyway, uh, no, nah, they, they deserve it. Uh, the product's mm-hmm. been so much better. Uh, people are excited, and it's a really good thing for WWE. People were losing interest day by day, episode by episode. We so were. people getting that uh, excitement back, they're going to want to spend money and see what happens. So yeah. it, it's just regular business, and uh, I am uh, very happy for them. Yeah, it's not just fans who want to spend money. It's clearly like corporate sponsors, too, and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, television networks. I mean – WWE is a hot product right now. They're clearly showing it. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to we'll get to uh, the other one in just a little bit. But um, all right, Don, you ready for mine? Yep. All right. So according to multiple sources, it looks like Mia Yim has found her new home to showcase her abilities, and that is WWE. With Triple H in charge of creative, it's not a shock at all. But this is someone who can really help them in the division. Yim's character as that fearless badass with that bandana over her face and that baggy gear loved it. Loved the presentation. She can be in the main event scene, the mid-card scene, and the tag team. She can continue to solidify the women's division. A lot of women have great chemistry with Yim, and if this turns out to be true, this was the absolute best move for her. I don't know how you can look at the other AEW's women's division and tell me that's well-booked because it's just not. It's just a mess. So it, if it's true and she goes back to WWE, that overall is the best move for her. It's the best professional move, 100%. Um, the women's division in WWE is better managed right now than AEW. I think everyone just assumed AEW because that's where Keith Lee is. Uh, so for personal reasons, that makes sense. Professional, you got to think of your career as well. WWE is 100% the right move right now. She's going to make big money going there. She's going to be treated much better, I think. She's not going to get lost in the shuffle as much. Um, WWE is putting together a lot of depth right now, and there's rumors of a mid-card title coming to the women's division. Um, Recently, Bayley has has been petitioning for one. I think Raquel Rodriguez kind of did the same thing. Dana Brooke. Um... And with the addition of with of Emma, with the Nikki Cross character change, Dana Brooke is still lingering, who's got a ton of talent, just needs something to do. And with all these other free agents, I think it is time to pull the trigger on some sort of mid-card title for the women in WWE because the, the, the roster is so deep. Yeah. No, and, they'll, and they'll be treated better than the TBS title. And the, woman, the women's division is just getting a lot better. There, there's just more yeah. names, and you can – create an entire event and that's why i said you're starting to have a whole main event scene you're starting to have a mid-card scene and mm-hmm. they're starting to get some tag teams within remember 
this isn't the last. This isn't the only move that's going to happen. If Mia Yim comes back, all signs point to Chelsea Green coming back in the near future. All yeah. signs point to Tegan Knox coming back. There's a couple women in Japan that might make the move. I mean, there's they're creating a whole new scene in the women's division, and it's just a great thing to see. Yeah, and we, we, we certainly need that title. I know Liv Morgan and Sonya Deville been putting on good matches on SmackDown the last couple of weeks. If there was a title involved, I think it'd make those matches even more elevated uh, for two people who aren't necessarily in the main event, but they're getting prominent roles. So I think WWE should pull the trigger on that sooner rather than later. And we don't even have Piper Neven. Once yeah. that name change comes back, she's going to mm-hmm. be great. Nobody's talking about Sarah Logan, who's obviously back uh, with the – with the Viking Raiders. Now it wasn't confirmed, but obviously she's going to be back. I don't know if she's going to wrestle or not, but if she does listen, I said she was the best one by far of the riot squad. So I'm really excited to see what she does. Um, but all right, Dylan, you ready to jump into AEW this week? Sure. It was bangers this week. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with dynamite, which might've been the greatest <clears throat> show I've ever seen. Um, Jay Lethal defeated Darby Allen, but after the match, we saw Cole Carter dressed up as Sting and mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> which was interesting, I guess. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Chris Jericho beat Dylan's guy Colt Cabana to retain the ROH world title. In the main event, Samoa Joe defeated Brian Cage to retain the ROH TV title. Off the rampage, Orange Cassidy defeated Shibata to retain the All-Atlantic title. It just made me laugh out loud because of how not believable that match was. Uh, Shibata could literally almost kill that dude. Uh, Also, Warjo beat Gates of Agony in tag action. I love Shibata and Brian Cage. Dylan, AEW was scary, scary bad this week. No build for full gear. Just a lot of filler without question... I think it was the worst week of the year for AEW. Top three all-time worst weeks for AEW. It was bad, bad, bad this week. Mm-hmm. I I told you on the phone the other day that they have not built towards full gear at all. They no. haven't done a good job promoting it. To my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, there's only one match announced, and it's the world title match. No, they, they announced Hater and uh, Storm. Okay, so we have two matches, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know if they officially announced the the Swerve in Our Glory versus Acclaim, but that is going to happen. But I think they only have two official matches. Yeah. But And, and the scary thing about it is you know they're going to flood that card with 13 matches. Oh, yeah. And they're, not, and they're not doing anything to build it. No. Like, AEW is kind of, and I, I don't mean this in a knock to the independents, but AEW is becoming an independent promotion with a big budget. Yeah. In the sense that they just kind of put together cards and it's like, oh, well, here's a match that I think people would like to see. And, oh, that's a formula that works if you're not a weekly show um, where you just gather big names and, 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 and you put on a card and hope that the matches are great. But when you're a weekly television show and, and you have the big budget AEW has and you're not actually – telling stories and you're just putting matches together it's not that good yeah and then they the women's division was on showcase this week dylan uh especially on dynamite a two-minute match that was a comedy segment with uh jade cargill nyla rose and marina shafir Uh, just 
I listen. People give Marina Shafir a lot of uh, a lot of hate. Mm-hmm. I think she's actually pretty good. She needs to go back to WWE though. That that if she can work with Shayna and Ronda, I think that's just best for her. So uh, I I don't get a lot of the hate for Marina Shafir just because I think she's pretty good. But that's a discussion for another day. Um, all right, Dylan. Uh, enough about AEW, which doesn't deserve time. Uh, do you want to go and do <laughs> WWE this week? Yeah. All right. So let's start with Monday Night Raw. So we had Bianca Belair defeat Nikki Cross via pinfall after the KOD. Uh, Damage Control attacked Belair after the match, but Oscar and Bliss came out and made the save to even the odds. Kind of typical stuff. Wasn't bad by any means, um, but it was okay. Uh, Seth Rollins defeated Austin Theory uh, with the curb stomp. This was. By far one of the best television matches of the year, dare I say. Uh, these two went back and forth. It was very dramatic. Um, it wasn't for the title, to my knowledge. No. Um, which is a little strange, considering Theory is a former U.S. champion. Seth is the current U.S. champion. But regardless, title or no title, this was an absolute banger. And I hope this leads to a true program, because I've pointed out that I don't like how Austin Theory has been booked lately. Given a program with Seth Rollins, um, I think those two will tear the house down, kind of like they did on Raw this week. Uh, Carl Anderson defeated Damian Priest via pinfall. Uh, Baron Corbin decided to beat the shit out of our truth uh, <laughs> I like that our truth is, is showing up more often, um, but I don't know what they're doing with Baron Corbin right now. Um, I like the pairing with JBL, but he needs I, but that's it. That's, I, that's I, I think. I think there's, like, something there. Mm-hmm. I think we just need more from Corbin. Mm-hmm. I, I think we just need a more aggressive side because I think he's playing somewhat of the happy Corbin character. He yeah. just needs to go all uh, lone wolf, and I think it will go over. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Matt Riddle defeated Otis in a tricker street fight. Um, Otis that was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun. Otis uh, took an RKO with a pumpkin on his head, and that's how Riddle was able to pick up the win. Uh, we f- Johnny Gargano decided to blow the whistle, quote unquote, on the Miz, explaining why Dexter Loomis is attacking him over the last couple months. Gargano explained that Loomis's attacks on the Miz are actually predetermined, and that the Miz was paying Dexter Loomis uh, to attack him so the Miz could stay relevant, basically. However, the Miz stopped paying Dexter Loomis, and then the tax actually became real because now Dexter Loomis is mad. The Miz obviously denied that, but he'll face stuff. Um, I like the fact that Gargano's involved in the story. Um, I'm still waiting for the big payoff. I don't know if this was the big payoff they were looking for. We still haven't seen Loomis actually wrestle since coming back to WWE. Um, and I want to see Gargano in more prominent role. Um, and if he does feud with The Miz moving forward, puts on a couple of good matches, The Miz is a very consistent worker, so I think those will be fine. Uh, we did get a women's tag team championship match between Damage Control and Alexa Bliss and Asuka. <laughs> Alexa Bliss and, and, and Asuka actually picked up the wins <sighs> and became the new tag team champions. Uh, there was a lot of brawls going on at ringside. However, Alexa Bliss managed to hit Twisted Bliss from the top rope on EO Sky, and that's how they won the titles. Also, we got a Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley brawl in which Matt Riddle showed off his flip-flops. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you caught that. But... No, I didn't. Yeah, so <laughs> Pavi and Brock are brawling up towards the stage, and like, there's a bunch of you know wrestlers and officials and, and referees stuff trying to separate them. You know, the classic you know brawl in wrestling. At at one point, Riddle's kind of in the back part of it, and his flip flops just end up in the air like he's holding them up. I don't know why. Interesting. But I'm not mad about it either. <laughs> let's All move right. on. To, let's move on to SmackDown. So Shayna Baszler had Ronda Rousey in her corner, yeah, and she defeated Natalia via a referee stoppage. So you talked about Marina Shafir should come back to WWE and team with Baszler. They're clearly there is a partnership of some sorts with Baszler and Rousey, and that's very exciting because I think that'll eventually lead to a one-on-one match between the two. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. LA Knight defeated Ricochet via pinfall after grabbing the ropes. Uh, Emma opened up about making her return, saying she wasn't sure she would ever come back. And then it says Emma fed Zaylee an elbow for interrupting her interview so rudely. So they yeah. kind of brawled a little. Bit. So it was a bad. It was a backstage segment. Yeah. So basically, what happened was like it, it was really smart to get like the mainstream fans that aren't aware of Emma, don't know who she is. You know, she was talking about herself. Zai Lee comes, you know, tries like the heel move, trying to interrupt her. Uh, Emma hits her with a big shot. So obviously it's setting up that. I'm all for it. Zai mm-hmm. Lee hasn't done anything. It needs to give Emma something to do, get something for fans to get behind. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Liv Morgan defeated Sonya Deville in a no DQ match. Uh, she landed the Oblivion move on a pile of steel chairs. This match actually got a lot of positive reviews. Uh, some say it's the best work that Liv Morgan has done uh, since becoming more of a single star uh, since the Riot Squad days. Um, I think her program, like I mentioned earlier, with Sonya has been pretty good. However, it has been very one-sided. It's been all Liv Morgan. I wish Sonya would would be, be, be a little more involved and not necessarily virtually be a jobber of sorts. Sonya's um, good. Sonya's very good. Um, if this was a legit feud between the two, I think I'd like it a little more, but they put on some good stuff recently, so I can't be too upset about it. The main event of SmackDown, however, there was an Intercontinental Championship match between Walter and Rey Mysterio. I'm not going to lie, Kyle. I had some doubts going into this. I didn't think it'd be... Like, coming off the Sheamus stuff, I think we were we were... We were treated so nicely with the Sheamus and Walter stuff, and I was a little worried about the Rey Mysterio stuff. This match was an absolute banger. Yes. Um, a, a true clash of styles that worked flawlessly. This showed that Walter is able to work with any sort of wrestler, with any sort of style. And Ray's just a true vet of the business. I mean, he's been doing this for such a long time, and experience shows here. Uh, Walter was able to pick up the victory and successfully retained the Intercontinental Championship. I hope that this isn't it between these two. But Walter picking up a big win against a true future Hall of Famer like Rey Mysterio in an absolute banger of a match, like I said. Definitely the right move moving forward. Um, definitely building up more credibility. I'm starting to believe that Walter may never lose that IC title. There's I'm only st- two guys. There's only two guys that I could see take it. And it's Drew mm-hmm. or it's Dragunov. Dragunov gets the main roster call, and then he comes and beats him for the IC title. 
Yeah. I'm not against WWE treating his IC title reign kind of like how they treated the, the UK title reign, how he held it for so long and he seemed unbeatable. Maybe not as long of a title reign, but if Walter holds this belt for a year, year and a half, is that the worst thing in the world? No. No, I don't think so because he's putting on great matches and it's prominently featured. It's main eventing, you know, weekly shows. It's featured on pay-per-views for the first time in a year and a half. So I'm all for it. Keep doing what you're doing. But uh, that's all I got for WWE this week. Yeah, uh, Raw was a little up and down, but it was mainly due to the Saudi um, Mm -hmm. build. SmackDown was a great show, I thought. Um, So good stuff from WWE. Um, But um, we're going to move on. So, uh, Dylan, are you uh, ready to get into the indies this week? Yes, sir. All right. So this week, I will be highlighting Rocky Mountain Pro Charge Wrestling, based out of Inglewood, Colorado. I will cover some of their latest episodes, starting with Nathan Estrada picking up a win over Jacob Braun in an Aces Wild match with a jumping elbow strike. J.K. Pop defeated your starting lineup in tag action, and in the main event, Damon Ace took on Tommy Too Good. The big man dominated the first part of the match with multiple submissions, then follows up with a big boot. Tommy started turning the tie with a big splash in the corner, but didn't even get a one count. Ace took the momentum back and kept it through the remainder of the match as he hit a big spine buster for the win. Don't often see a squash match in the main event of a show, but they built it with good promos throughout the night, getting fans somewhat excited for it, seeing that the babyface had a shot. Obviously, he didn't, but it did cap off a great night of wrestling. My MVP of the night goes to Damon Ace. Very athletic big man who can move around very well and can sell a babyface comeback, which is really good. And what I mean by that, if you have you know babyface coming off a hot tag or something like that, you, you need to be able to put that over, and he can do it real well. So check out Rocky Mountain Pro Charge Wrestling on YouTube, and my MVP is Damon Ace. Awesome, awesome stuff. We will be sure to tag both Kyle's MVP and this week's uh, highlighted promotion on social media every single week. Or on social media like we do every single week. It's early in the morning. I'm slipping over my words right now. Uh, So you guys can give them a like and a follow one more time. The MVP this week was? Damon Ace. Damon Ace. So uh, be sure to check them out um, and check the promotion out as well. All right. Don, would you like to get in this day in history? Yes, sir. So we are recording this episode on November 6th. So all of these dates are November 6th. Are you ready? Yep. November 6th, 1998, at an ECW TV taping in New York City, the Dudley Boys defeated Balls Mahoney and Masato Tanaka to win their their fifth ECW Tag Team Championship reign. Uh, In 2000, on Monday Night Raw, The Godfather and Bull Buchanan of Right to Censor defeated the Hardy Boys to win the WWF Tag Team Championships. Did you know that uh, Right to Censor defeated the Hardy Boys for the tag team titles? Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. In 2002, Jerry Lynn defeated AJ Styles to to win the TNA X Division Championship at a TV taping. Uh, In 2005, Joey Styles surprisingly unveiled is is surprisingly unveiled as the new lead play-by-play announcer for Monday Night Raw. He would keep the role until May of 2006, uh, which ultimately led to ECW becoming a true third brand. 
in WWE where he would take on commentary duties there. In 2006, Christopher Daniels won the X Division Championship at a TNA Impact taping in Orlando. He defeated Chris Sabin and AJ Styles in a triple threat match. Also in 2006, Johnny Nitro, better known today as John Morrison, defeated Jeff Hardy to win the Intercontinental Championship match in a no disqualification. And in 2017, a Monday Night Raw episode from Manchester, England, The Bar, Sheamus and Cesaro, defeated Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, now known as John Moxley in AEW, to win the Raw Tag Team Championships. On the same show, Pete Dunne made his WWE main roster debut as he defeated Enzo Amore. And today is also the birthday of Nick Aldis. So happy birthday. And that's all I got. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Nick Aldis. I know you are as well. Mm-hmm. I um, liked him in his Magnus days, too. Um, I just love the bar. I thought mm-hmm. they were great. Very underrated team as well. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. The bar The bar definitely doesn't get enough credit for for what they did in WWE. No, absolutely. Um, all right. So, you ready to move on? Uh-huh. All righty. So, now it is time for my top power or top five power ranking segment. Uh, we're going to start with WWE's NXT Grayson Waller. Everyone knows that I don't watch the new NXT, but there was a performance on Tuesday that caught headlines. Waller had a match with our truth where truth went for a suicide dive and injured himself. After that occurred, you could see Waller pandering to the crowd, trying to get attention off the injury and put everything on him with being new-er to WWE, that was really impressive and a very veteran move. Also read today that WWE is apparently very high on Grayson Waller. So this is someone that we could see on the main roster soon. So uh, I'll, just the, that act alone, he gets the fifth spot this week. My number four is New Japan Pro Wrestling's Tetsuya Naito. The 40-year-old continues to be on the top for New Japan and this week was no different. He was 4-0 in multi-man tag team matches, beating wrestlers like Alex Zane, Master Wato, and TJP. This was a big match for him, but the biggest match of the week uh, was the IWGP US title match against Will Ospreay, where he just fell short, but the match was an absolute banger. Almost won a half hour, I believe. Naito continues to be one of the most underrated heels today because of how laid back he is. But once it's time to wrestle, it's go time. You see the aggressive side. What a week for Tetsuya Naito. Number three goes to WWE's Rey Mysterio. It is absolutely mind-boggling that Rey doesn't lose that step in the ring. And when it comes to character work, it just keeps getting better, especially with the Judgment Day looming. To me, ever since he got the SmackDown and had the fresh matchups, it's been the best thing for him. Getting a shot at the IC title against Walter on SmackDown and pushing the champion to the absolute limit is beyond impressive. He doesn't really botch moves either. He's always mm-hmm. in the right spot and looking forward to Dominic versus Ray, hopefully at WrestleMania. Number two goes to Stardom's Mina Shirakawa. This week was one of Mina's biggest matches of her career, and it, ju- and it didn't just deliver. It made fans want to watch more of her. On Thursday, she got a spot at the a shot, sorry, at the Wonder of Stardom title against Saya Kamatani in a 20-minute war. Mina is very unique and has a very impressive moveset. And even though she didn't win that match, 
just her getting that opportunity to shine is just what's best for her. So uh, Mina gets the number two spot. Who else is going to be number one this week, Dylan? It goes to Stardom's Siuri. This really has been the year of Siuri. And with that being said, her last performance was another, nothing short of perfection. First off, she was able to get a tag victory over Odio Tai. But one match that is getting mainstream attention is her World of Stardom title match against Micah. 26-minute classic as the physicality was there and overall the match had you on the edge of your seat. There was a reason why she was the number one rated PWI women's wrestler and continues to be the standard of women's wrestling. So Siri gets the top spot and that's the top five this week. Shots your number one isn't uh you know J E double F J A double R E double T. No. You know, the GOAT. Um I do want to point out something about Grayson Waller too. I read the same report that they're very high on him. WWE, I don't know if this is true or not, but they want to do something similar to the way they introduced Kevin Owens to the main roster. So they want him to not just kind of pop up. They want him to pop up against a prominent face um, and treat him as like a, a, a true, like, legit heel, true, legit threat, similar to how Kevin Owens did to uh, John Cena with the whole U.S. title stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that kind of interesting. But um, very good stuff. I am a little disappointed without the inclusion of Jeff Jarrett just randomly popping up. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Well, he's he not has, making he the has, list. He has, he has some sort of backstage role, too. He's not just appearing on TV. He has something but... business, like international business or something like that. I'm not I, have, really sure. I have no idea. I thought Jeff Jarrett was still with WWE in some fashion. No, until they, Wednesday. They him. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thing about Grayson Waller, I don't know a lot about him, Dylan. I'm yeah. just going to be complete. I know he's 32, um, so he's still in that prime of his career, but he's not like a young gun by any chance. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing about him is he's a very good talker, so he's going to yeah. be in some of those comedic roles. He's not going to be as serious as the Kevin Owens when he got up. So they're going to have to be really creative who they put him against. Because he's probably going to have to really sell that. Mm-hmm. If you put him as a baby face, I think him and the Miz could do some really good stuff right away. But um, yeah, as like a like a team. No, just as a as a first feud. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against him teaming with the Miz as a heel either. Yeah, I. I well, actually, I don't know. I think he can pull off a baby face, but I think people like him more as a heel. People yeah. love this dude. Like I see all over online that he. They think he's up next. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see what happens. But uh, Siri, it's her week, her year. Um, all right, Dylan, you ready to move on? Yes, sir. All right. It is now time for WWE Crown Jewel reactions. As always, we'll review every match and give a grade at the end. Everyone knows this isn't our favorite show. So let's see if it lived up to the hype. So let's get into it. Um, Dylan, I really don't know if there was a pre-show match. I don't think there was. Uh, Did you read anything about that? No. No, I didn't. Okay. Well, I have no idea. So, there is. Sorry. Um, All right. You ready to get in the first match? Yeah. Yeah. All right. First match. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley in singles action. Even before the match started, Lashley nailed Brock into the steel steps to get the upper hand. Match starts. Lashley hits a spear for a two count. And we are starting real fast. 
Brock turns the tide with a big German followed with another. Crowd was just hot eating this up. Hits a hits the F5 for two count. The way Bobby nailed Brock into the ring post was brutal. He started playing that heel role very well, which I enjoyed just mid-match. Because I thought, honestly, the whole build was him being a face. Mm-hmm. So kind of that difference was really cool. The hurt lock was applied, and with Brock's face turning red, it looks like he was fading but told the ref to shut up, and then he <laughs> yeah. got out of it. Uh, Brock falls back, and he lands on Bobby. Ref counts the three, and that's the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the match, Bobby puts Brock in Hurtlock again, and Lesnar was selling it like a champ. So the full-on Bobby Lashley heel turn is happening, which I think is the best way to go, even though how over he is. Match was fine. Solid, I would say, for the time that I got. Loved how physical Bobby was in this match. Was it special? No. It was everything it needed to be and accomplished everything. It was one way to get the fans hot, especially with Brock here early. Um, I personally didn't like the finish, but it made sense. They didn't want Brock, or sorry, they didn't want Bobby looking weak in any way, so I get it. What did you think of the match, Dylan? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The match itself was a little disappointing. Um, I wish it would have gone longer. Um, However, I enjoyed the fast-paced physicality of it. The fact that it was like spear after spear. They, you know, Bobby speared him through the barricade. And they just just wouldn't seem to let up. Bobby Lashley dominated this match. He did. This was was a mostly Bobby Lashley-led match. Which, when you go up against Brock Lesnar, doesn't happen a whole lot. We haven't seen Brock truly dominated a whole lot. In <laughs> yeah. um, so that was refreshing. I at, at first, I wasn't convinced that a Bobby Lashley heel turn was happening. Like, during the match, I was just like, he's just trying to beat Brock Lesnar. However, post-match, it was solidified. Yes, Bobby is, is 100% a heel. Um and I thought the, the, the sort of fluke finish made sense, if that's what you're going for. If you're trying to turn Bobby into a dominant heel, neither one of these guys can lose clean because then a post-match attack makes no sense. Like, you lost fair and square, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he still had the hurt lock in and it was just kind of fluke pinned, that made, it, that, that made sense. So I've, I've seen a lot of people sort of bash this, this match online. Yeah, the match itself could have been better. It, it it should have been better. This should have been a dream match, you know, for the ages. This should have been the true clash of the Titans, not that bullshit that we got later in the show. Um, but storyline-wise and storytelling-wise, I thought this was executed very, very well. And plus, it's it's two behemoths. Like, they're not going to put on a 40-minute clinic. Like, like, this has to be a quick 10, 15-minute slugfest. So I thought it was fine. I personally wish there was a little more in there, but I like the, the, the refreshing angle of, of Bobby dominating the match and, and the post-match stuff I thought was really well done. I really liked the pre-match stuff, too. I, yeah. I really liked Bobby getting his heel stuff in quick, so you know mm-hmm. this dude means all business. I really enjoyed that part of it. The story, like you said, was great. Not a lot of wrestling here, but with Bobby and Brock, you can't expect a lot. Uh, so what'd you give it out of five? I gave this a two point eight out of five. Good, good, not great, but um, I'm not I'm not factoring in the post match um attack into this and and the true Bobby heel stuff 
just going off the match itself. So I gave it a 2.8. I give it 2.7. So we're, uh, we're pretty close there. Whew. Getting to the next match, Dylan. Damage Control versus Alexa Bliss and Asuka in a rematch for the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. So we start with Kai controlling the match early and not sure if you felt this way. Alexa as a baby face just doesn't work as well as her heel stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really noticed that here early, but she did get it going. Huge headbutt by the challenger and Bliss was just toying with them. Asuka and Eel get tagged in. The fans really get into it. Big lariats and the speed by Asuka at her age is rare. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy the double baseball slide, but the camera work when Asuka's on the outside, I'm not sure what they were doing. So great job there, Kevin Dune. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Uh, damage control started working off or of the right knee of the champion, which I really enjoyed. Frequent tags from the challengers were very smart. Then Alexa shot out of a cannon with her hot tag and had a great knee strike to Dakota Kai, and Dakota Kai sold it like an absolute champ. Seeing how excited Asuka was to finish that superplex, like, what do they call it, Tower of Doom spot mm-hmm. on the corner, it was just great to see how excited she was. She is just unbelievable. Uh, Dakota Kai gets the knees up off a of Twisted Bliss, but Alexa hit the DDT, goes for another Twisted Bliss, but Someone gets involved and turns out to be Nikki Cross. She gets involved, push her off the turnbuckle. Uh, Dakota Kai gets the pin, and we have new tag team champions. Um, this was pretty much made, Dylan, just because of Saudi. I do not believe that Triple H would have booked them to lose on Monday Night Raw. So mm-hmm. Saudi probably wanted this match and wanted a certain way, an outcome. Uh this match was great. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you start before I get into it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When it, when it first started, um, I started to lose hope for this match. It, it couldn't – it didn't seem to get out of first gear. It wasn't really until EO and Asuka got in the ring together. Yeah, but that, even, was only, that was only about two minutes. Yeah, so, like, even though it wasn't long, their, their interaction, that to me was kind of the turn of the match. The crowd no. started to get into it more. No, 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 I mean, like, it was literally, I think it was, I read a minute 45 before those two got tagged in. No, it wasn't. It was further that, in. That, that's what, I thought so too, but I read a minute 45. That's weird. Well, anyway, uh, this match, to me, didn't seem to get out of first gear for a while. But then once these, once, once they all got in their zone and, and started doing what they do, I thought Dakota Kai looked great. Um, if we were giving out an MVP of a match, um... I think it would go to Asuka 100%. She looked like a million bucks here. Um, but once once these teams got going, dude, it was it was full <laughs> throttle. This was a lot of fun, especially the, the, the second half of the match. Um, I did think – didn't make sense for, for, for Bliss and Asuka to hold the belt for only five days, but uh, whatever. I'm not against damage control being champions. I was happy they were champions to begin with. I don't know why they lost the belts anyway. It was sorry. Oh. They they wanted the certain And that's that, you know, that's that that that's kind of what happens sometimes with yep. these with these shows that unfortunately some some people get involved that shouldn't be involved, but you know, it is what it is. Overall, the match itself was great. It's very very refreshing to hear you say Nikki Cross again. God, it's great to say, man. <laughs> it is great to say. 
after a year and a half of Nixon Cruz. We're yeah, back. Nixon we're Cruz back. is dead. We're back to Nikki Cross, man. Yeah. I heard I heard someone say they should have called her uh Nikki almost a supervillain. But Oh my god, I would <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I thought her involvement, as as much as I don't like people interfering in matches, this kind of made sense uh, with her ties to Alexa Bliss in the past, um, as well as just her them them trying to book Nikki Cross as a real prominent story in the women's division. Uh, it all made sense to me. Match itself was killer, especially towards the end. Um, I really enjoyed this. So we have her War Games match, right? Mm-hmm. So it's damage control and. Nikki Cross versus Bianca, Alexa, Asuka, and Candice. Well, remember, they, um, they, they ran a promotional video for uh, War Games during Crown Jewel, and they said 10 competitors. So it's going to be teams of five. Oh, not for, teams both, of four. for both matches? I would assume. But it, it, said, it said 10 competitors, two rings. That's what it said. Ooh, um, I'm all for that. But, yeah, I think it's, I think it's all but confirmed that well, I, I I don't even know if we could say it's confirmed because she attacked Bailey uh, just a couple weeks ago. Or yeah, or does Sasha and Naomi? I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna talk about this match real quick. To me, this was the best women's tag team match since the titles were reintroduced. Yes, and is why women's wrestling is only getting better under Triple H. I think this is a hot take, Dylan. I think it was the best Alexa Bliss match ever. Wow. Uh, I think with the time that she got in the ring and was able to sell, that knee strike might have been the best move she's ever done. And with the other three, Io, Dakota, and Asuka, they're just in a league of their own. She was kind of the outlier here. But once she got going, dude, it it just didn't feel like she was an outlier. She was really into this match. Nikki getting involved was a good touch, I thought. So we're going to have to see what it leads to. I thought this match was incredible. All four, and the physicality was shown. Uh, pace never stopped. Uh, what did you give this match out of five? I went 3.3 3 out uh, of five. I, g- I give it a 4.4 4 out of wow. five. Wow. I, uh, I, I thought this was uh, one of the – I think it could be up for match of the year. Damn. Yeah, I, I thought it was that good. I thought it was really good. Uh, so, a little bit – I. I was shocked that you gave it so low, and you're probably shocked that I got so high. But um, well, see, I gonna... didn't, it's 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 not that I rated it that way because I didn't like it. I did like it. I really did. Um, but yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little. Uh, now it's gonna seem like I I hated it. No, no. dude, I I just I I was I loved it. I I thought it was the the only thing that lowered it for me was the crowd, the mm-hmm. moves. It was clean. Uh, everyone got their stuff in. It's just what women's wrestling is about, so I was really happy to see that. Um, Absolutely. But we're going to move on. Karrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre in a steel cage match. It was reported last night that Drew McIntyre was dealing with the flu. So he was not uh, 100%, and Drew McIntyre literally had the flu as he wrestled. Uh, this match had a big fight feel it needed. Drew got the upper hand early until Cross started throwing the baby face around, even into the cage as well. I'm a sucker for wrestlers using the ropes, and Cross was using that to his advantage, targeting the neck. Loved how often they were using the cage, then Drew hit a big neck breaker. These two are just beating the brakes off each other at this point. Drew, Drew was in the tree of woe, but then 
got himself up and threw mm-hmm. Cross on the other side of the ring. That dude is just insane. Love when he does that. But Dylan, but remember, he does that, but Dylan says Rome is more talented than Drew McIntyre. But we'll get to that at a later date. Hits the jackknife spine buster, but Cross reversed it into the Cross jacket. Drew goes for a Claymore, but Scarlet gets involved. Cross goes for the Cross jacket again. Hits the Cross hammer. So Karrion Cross starts going to the top. But Drew catches him and, like, literally catches him into a huge superplex. How good was that spot? Drew goes to escape. Scarlet uses the pepper spray to the ref as well. Uh, Drew gets Cross in an ankle lock. These two just start slugging again. Drew goes to escape. Scarlet unlocks the door for Cross. He starts going through the door, but Drew was able to touch first and uh, win the match. These two have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Personally, I thought this was a banger. Didn't have cross look weak at all, and the crowd was red hot for this. They used the cage a ton, and that was ultimately the story, I thought. Keeping these two in a cage with Scarlet, and the biggest takeaway from this, will Scarlet cost cross the match? It's going to lead to a third match. But yeah. this, this match was better than the first one and told a great story in the process. The, the pacing was incredible. I think maybe the best part about this match was the pacing. No wasted movement. Loved it. What do you think of it? Yeah, I, I, I like this match more than their Extreme Rules match. I don't know if it was because I enjoy cage matches more than the strap matches, but um, the chemistry is there. And commentary kind of played up the fact that this was supposed to end the feud. I certainly hope that's not the case, but also... I don't know how much bigger you can go than, than being in a steel cage, at least from what these two have done already. Uh, but I think there is more of a story to tell here. I hope they don't part and do their, do their own thing. Now. Um, this match felt more physical. Yeah. Um, and it was, it, it felt more fluid. Um, and I, I absolutely love the finish. I love the like race to the outside. I love that, you know, Drew's trying to, trying to walk out and Scarlet locks it and she thinks she has the upper hand and Drew's like, well, fuck it. And then he just starts climbing it. And now, you know, this is scramble to the finish and I absolutely loved it. Drew kind of just drops to the floor. Uh, still selling the, the, the pepper spray. Yeah. Uh, Cause you could see him on the ground still like rubbing his eyes and stuff. And even when he was celebrating after his eyes are like squinted. So I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, overall, I, I really enjoyed this. I've seen a lot of people, again, bash this match online. I think I saw, like, what culture give it, like, a two. I think that's a joke. Oh, my God. Um, I could be wrong, so hopefully this doesn't. I think keep... Bleacher Report gave it a B plus. Yeah, which is which is good. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really like this, and uh, I hope there's more to come, but, but we'll see. Would you give it a five? Uh, I went 3.8. I went 3.9. So we're, we're pretty much around the money there. Um, moving on, Dylan, the OC versus Judgment Day in six-man tag team action. How cool is this for Dominic Mysterio to be in a match with these five? Mm-hmm. Anderson and Finn start until the heels uh, get tagged in. Uh, Priest and Gallows get underway. Priest unloads punches. AJ gets in. And the matchup that I wanted was Dominic versus AJ, so that gets underway. Wade putting over Mysterio on commentary was great. He was unbelievable on commentary, I thought. Personally, I prefer him over Pat any day of the week, but we'll have to uh, see what happens with that. 
The three tag splash spot in the corner ruled. The inexperience by the heel, Dominic, was the story here until Priest catches Anderson with a massive super kick. Frequent tags by both teams keeping the fresh guy in was super smart. Something so basic that adds to the match. One thing that benefited, that has benefited since Triple H taken over, has been the heel work by Finn Balor. He's mm-hmm. super comfortable, and his ring work has benefited from it as well. Doc goes right after Dominic and dismantled him with a big lariat. Finn went to attack Gallows, but literally flew outside the ring. So <laughs> I don't know who was in the ring. I think it was Dominic and Gallows. Finn went for like a, I don't know if it was like a big Superman puncher or what, but he totally missed and flew outside the ring. I thought it was great. I don't know if it was planned or not, but I thought it was really funny. AJ and Finn put on a clinic and knew what move was coming next. The, the triple electric chair spot was really fun. Rhea drives AJ to the apron. Finn hits the coup de gras, and Judgment Day get the victory. Not sure about you, Dylan. This was a very Indies New Japan Pro Wrestling six-man tag match. I felt like the story here going in has obviously been the OC trying to get or trying to account for Rhea. This match was super fun. That the pace was consistent. Wish we saw a little bit more Dominic, but everyone here was great, and the match got the crowd really excited. So accomplished everything it needed, uh, which will be settled in War Games. Oh yeah, what do you think of uh, New Japan getting mentioned on on commentary multiple times and the Bullet Club? Yeah, that's a, that would have never happened under the old regime. Tell no. You that. It'd be like, who are these outsiders? <laughs> no, I love, I love that little, that little touch. Uh, clearly showing the relationship um, and former relationships for everyone really involved in the match. When when Anderson and Finn first started, I think Michael Cole was like, <laughs> here are two original members of the Bullet Club or something like that, something along those lines. Kind of you know, hinting that these two have history well before WWE. Um, and I think that added to the match because I mean we all know it. And the match itself was was great. Um, I think all I'm, – I'm, I'm throwing Dominic in there because I've said since he's turned heel and has been part of Judgment Day, it's the best work he's ever done oh, yeah. uh, since being in WWE. Um, and he, he continues to get better. I hate the fact that people still constantly dog him and they say he's the worst part of, of, of what's going on and you know he's the worst part of the Judgment Day. He doesn't fit in. I think he's doing great. He might be the best part. Mm, I'm I still mean, giving dude, that. I'm still giving that to Finn because Finn's on another level right now. But no, I'm not saying like in ring. But as of right now, I was most excited to see Dominic in the match. I don't know about you, but I was actually excited to see how Rhea would play her role because, like you said, going in, it was the the big story is how do we neutralize Rhea Ripley? Yeah, this is all leading towards Edge and Beth Phoenix eventually coming back, right? Um, and don't be shocked if Judgment Day ends up with some sort of fifth member, even if it is just a temporary thing. So we get the OC, Edge, and Phoenix versus Judgment Day with Rhea and, and a fifth person in War Games. I think that would be absolutely killer if they do some sort of mixed um, mixed tag thing there. But overall, this match, but this match itself, I thought at the time was match of the night. And I'm I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I thought this was an absolute banger. I love the finish. I love Rhea getting involved, and 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 the coup de gras looked brutal. 
Um, and Georgia Day picking up the win, I think, was a little bit of a swerve because I think everyone assumed with, with Gallows and Anderson just coming back that they were all going to pick up the win and be the triumphant baby faces. But like I said, this is leading towards a bigger story. There's more to tell here. And the Judgment Day pick up for the win, to me, was the right call. So what would you give it at five? I went 4.1. I give it a 3.6. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I think I just wanted a little bit more Dominic and more storytelling from him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I thought it was still very well done in a very indie six-man tag. Yeah. Um, so going to the potential match of the year for Dylan, mm. Omas versus Braun Strowman in we singles action. We could have skipped this. and I uh, People there. may not like Braun Strowman, but you can't deny how over this man is. In the press conference – you literally couldn't even hear anything else of how loud he was getting cheered. So, started with a test of power, and Omos gets upper hand, just kicking Strowman all over the ring. And the size difference was too much for Braun. The one-arm power slam by the heel was actually pretty impressive. You don't see Braun getting tossed often. Braun connects with a few strikes, but Omos, again, there to stop the momentum. Braun power slams Omos for the victory. Short, sweet, to the point. Uh, is it as bad as I initially thought it would be? I'm going to yes. say no. Uh, one thing I'm, I'm going to give credit to, Omos tried his best to try to get this over because he was talking shit throughout the whole match. Mm-hmm. He was trying his best. Uh, Braun was trying to get the crowd into it. Crowd actually got into it a little bit. Um I think the biggest issue with this, Dylan, is no one really wanted to see it. Um, yeah. I don't know if the story was that bad, but no one just wanted to see this match. Was it everything it needed to be? I, I would I'd say so. Braun winning is a massive sign to who Triple H wants as the big man in the future. So don't expect to see a whole lot of Omos here in the next six months. But uh, Braun Strowman is definitely here to stay. This just kind of seemed like a Saudi spectacle that they wanted. They yes. wanted two of the biggest guys to just kind of throw each other around. And you're going to give a lot of credit to Omos. I'm going to give a ton of credit to Braun because he did his damnedest. Yeah, both of to, them did. To put Omos over. So yeah. I'm not going to dog on the, the, the attempt. Um, but what we got, I did not care for, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, I love what Braun does, and there's even some aspects of Omos that, you know, we we got to see here that we don't normally see. For instance, his trash talking. We don't see Omos do that a whole lot. He's just a big, you know, he's just a big dude who throws people around. So they tried to tell a story here. I think it fell flat, but I can appreciate the attempt. I didn't. I don't have much to add. I just didn't. I didn't. It didn't did, care well, for it, it didn't go that long, so I don't think it took away from anything. No. Um, what would you give it out five? Uh, like a one point nine. Yeah, I give it a two. So like it wasn't. It wasn't awful. Like it. It wasn't definitely the lowest. I think Britt Baker versus uh, Thunder Thunder Rosa at what. What pay-per-view is that? Was Revolution? That Revolu- I think I gave it a point two. Wow. So that was – and then I give I gave QT Marshall versus Big Show. I think I gave that a point one. So it definitely wasn't the lowest I've ever given. But, um, yeah, I just 
it was something Saudi wanted, so who cares? Um, so moving on, Usos versus the Brawling Brutes for the Undisputed Tag Team titles. Dunn almost stole the match early with a small package. Joint manipulation by Dunn slows down the match and allows the Usos to get the tag. Wade on commentary was saying how he how it felt like an old school tag team match was great. Crowd was pretty quiet until Rich gets tagged in. He is super comfortable now coming off a hot tag. Throws both the Usos around. Dunn stumps Jimmy's elbows on steel steps. Brutes eat a big double super kick. Dunn catches Jimmy trying to break his fingers. Double splash gets a two count as Ridge breaks the count. Jay selling the joint manipulation was awesome. Facial expressions, man. It's just very easy to put over a match. Big kick to the face uh, into a power slam for a two count by the challengers. There was a lot of near falls in this match. It didn't go particularly long, but there was a lot of near falls. These two teams were just slugging until Usos hit the 1D from the top to retain the titles. Was it up to par with the other interactions or the other matches that the Brutes have had? No, but I still thought this was a banger. Back half of the match was really, really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, The near falls had me wondering, like, is the Brutes actually going to win? Teamwork by both teams, super creative. Look, three of these guys are built-in stars. Ridge was unbelievable here. I thought he was the biggest star here in this Mm -hmm. match. I really think he's the next man up. He just improves by every match. He can be something really good for WWE. Triple H definitely likes him. I, Dude, he has had a tough year with the Big E stuff and just injuries, but uh, I'm really glad to see him getting a shine. Yeah, he looked great. Um, you could definitely tell the, like, the partnership with Sheamus is very rub- – uh, it, it's, it's rubbing off on him because you can see a lot of the same characteristics. Um, he's – Wade Barrett said he's built like a refrigerator. He's like he's he, he's six one two fifty five. This dude is just pure solid. Like yeah, just, dude, he is. He that, is. Dude, that dude has the look. Um, he can move for 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 a. I guess you could call him a big guy. Yeah, he's not super tall. Um, Pete Dunne, I think, stole the show here. The Usos still proved to be one of the most consistent tag teams, not just in WWE, but dare I say, on the planet. Um, they may not be the best in the world but you can't deny that these two can put on a good match with practically any team probably um, the best chemistry of any team even more so than the bucks i think yeah yeah i mean the they they feel they feel like a really true consistent tag team yeah um and i love that about the usos yeah it was um, just a very refreshing match i thought yeah and, and i thought cards. it was very very well done commentary uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you caught this. They announced that Jay may have a broken wrist. Yeah. Uh, that he injured uh, during the European tour that happened recently. He had a pretty taped up wrist and, and thumb area. Um, so the whole finger stuff that Pete Dunn likes to do. After they said that, you can kind of tell on Jimmy or on, on Jay's face that something might be wrong with his hand. Um, we haven't gotten confirmation if there is a true injury there or not, or if that was just trying to sell, you know, the, the, the moment, but it felt even more painful. <laughs> um, cause what Pete Dunn can do with, with, you know, like you said, the joint manipulation, which is one of your favorite things, it just looks brutal. And then you add into the fact that the guy might be actually hurt going in and he's targeting that area. I thought the finish looked brutal. Um, but overall the Uso is picking up the win. I'm going to say, 
it was the right move. Yes, um, it was. Yeah, it was. And the Usos are going to have a match with the New Day, I believe, this Friday. This Friday in Indianapolis. Yes, in 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 here, here mm-hmm. where we are. Um, I, I I want the Brutes to be tag champions so bad, but I don't see it happening until those belts are split up. Um, which I hope happens soon, or at least they just completely unify them and give them one title, which I think might happen with the tag belts. But overall, this was very very well done. I loved it. Um, one of my favorite matches on the card for sure. Uh, what'd you give it out of five? Uh, 3.9. I give it 3.7. So we're uh, right around the same. We both really enjoyed it. And uh, we have more action to talk about. So Bianca Belair versus Bailey in a last woman standing match for the Raw Women's title. The power of Bianca was on showcase until Bailey gets a kendo stick. The athleticism by Bianca getting around those attempted shots was a cool touch. Then she grabs a steel chair. Same thing. She gets around it. Bailey gets uh, complete control using Bianca's hair. Then around the outside area. The running clothesline from the barricade was really cool. Bailey gets a table, but Bianca delivers a huge suplex on the stage. Bailey suckered Bianca in, uh, nailing her off the attempted injury angle. Loved how Bailey used the steps to her advantage. Kendo stick shots, but Bianca lifts the steel steps up. And then hits a spine buster. Uh, Bailey starts going up the ramp, but the champion follows her. Bailey uh, connects with the Bailey to Belly on the stage. Bailey stuffs Bianca in like this case, but the champion gets uh, put in the crossface. Bailey brings out a golf cart next, but <laughs> Bianca counters, and these two battle in the golf cart. Bianca legit drives the golf cart down the ramp. And Bailey's just on the top, just dangling there. And then that shot that she took spine first onto that table, whoo, yeah. that is not a spot that I'd want to take. Maybe Dylan could, I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> Bailey goes through the table uh, off a powerbomb, but she gets up. Belair eats a 450 on the steel chairs. Oh, man, that also looked brutal. Uh, hit a KOD on a chair and puts Bailey. Uh, through the inside of a ladder, and uh, she was able to pick up the victory and retain her title. Really fun match. They were battling up and down the ramp with so many different weapons and cool spots. Very physical. Probably the most physical women's match between these two. And for the Raw Women's title, maybe one of the most physical matches we've had all year. Uh, Bailey brought it today. She really did. I thought she was the brighter spot here i thought don't take away from bianca she played a role very well but people have doubts about how good bailey is in environments like this i thought she was great uh this was a straight up fight and the crowd couldn't get enough of it yeah this was i thought it was very creative um i think i enjoyed their ladder match just a little more but i mean they're they're kind of hard to compare because they are pretty different um i respect the creativity um i thought the you know, shoving Bianca in the case, I thought was pretty cool. And then <laughs> I kind of laughed when it happened, like sort of like this Jack in the box motion where Bianca just kind of popped up and the yeah. case opens, hits Bailey in the face. Um, people dogged the golf cart spot. I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, them kind of brawling on top of it. I thought was pretty cool. And, and that spot on the table, like you said, that looked brutal. 
Uh, the second half of this match, I think, was the better part. Um, and then the 450 onto the chairs. I thought the finish was creative. However, I don't want to. I don't want to poke too much at it, but you could tell Bailey could have gotten out of that. Now, one right? thing I would have liked <laughs> is now. I personally, I wouldn't have wanted to take the spot. I thought it would have been cool to have Bianca hit a 450 as she was in, in between that. So mm-hmm. now you know she couldn't get out of it. Yeah, but or that like, was my only gripe. Or maybe stand on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the 450 um, would be better. Oh, the 450 would have been brutal, though. But I'm oh, just yeah, saying, I mean, there, there, there is a way to do that finish that I don't think looks as kind of hokey. Because uh, you could tell Bailey could get out of that. She almost did. I think she had to slow herself down because that was the finish of the match. But um, overall, I respect the creativity. Um, I don't think this was a clinic by any means. And I also think Bailey should have won here. With damage yes. control winning yep. winning the titles uh, earlier in the show, this should have been Bailey's moment. I think Bailey should be champion sooner rather than later. However, now it seems like Bianca's going to hold it until Mania, and it's going to be Charlotte. It's going to be yeah. Charlotte Bianca. I think I think that's what's going to happen. Which I like Bianca. I don't want it to come across that I don't like her as a champion, but this should have been Bailey's moment. Yeah, uh, she has been absolutely killing it since she came back at SummerSlam, and. I think the wrong person won, but the match itself was very fun and very creative. Yeah, uh, would you give it a five? I uh, went three point five. Yeah, I went three point six. So we're we're right around there. Um, before we get to the main event, we got <laughs> in a, another emotional Bray Wyatt promo, and he was actually there. Um, he said a couple of different lines that was pretty interesting, but the he ended with "I get to rewrite my story," and <laughs> then we saw more of Uncle Howdy. So quickly, what do you think of the promo, and what do you think it's going to lead to? Ah, oh, it's 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 a Bray Wyatt promo. I absolutely love him. Uh, the dude can talk better than most people in wrestling, I think. Um, and I loved I loved that they're they're touching on real life stuff. Like he mentioned that he comes from a wrestling family, which is a true thing that's never been talked about in WWE. Uh, the Rotundas and you know his dad and and, and brother and everything. Um, he touched on he he now has an opportunity to rewrite his own ending, basically how, you know, he was released and kind of went away for a long time. Now he has the opportunity to do things on his terms as opposed to someone telling him what to do. Um, the references to the fiend where he talked about you know when he put the mask on and created this monster and this and that, and the appearance of Uncle Howdy, who I do believe is Bo Dallas. Me too. I'm just going to say it. Um, we've seen a lot of cool conspiracies. A lot of people think it's Alistair Black. Um, a lot of people think it's – it's. It, I mean, it could very well just be Bray Wyatt. Yeah, mask, yep. but I think the ultimate payoff is going to be Bo Dallas in a more serious, prominent role, which is incredible because uh, Bo Dallas can really go in the ring and you give him a true serious character. I think he'll pull it off very well, especially with someone like Bray um, alongside him. I thought this was very, very well done. And I love I love the fact that since Bray's been back, he's been feuding with himself. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And it's something different. He didn't just pop up and attack Roman Reigns, or he didn't pop up and, and instantly go into a program or have just a random one-off match on TV just because he's here. He's been talking on TV for, what, a month now? And he's been feuding with himself. It's like his own internal demons, basically. 
And I absolutely love that. I think it's a creative, fresh take to, to reintroduce someone. Yeah. Um, I think the variety of his promos, like people say, I, I love MJF and the mic. Bray, Bray, Bray just talker. takes it. Bray just takes it to the next level, man. He really does. Yeah. Like it's with MJF. I think they're very similar, but they're still really good. But mm-hmm. Bray, I mean, you can get one thing one week, one thing another week. I, I love the variety in his voice. He is just incredible on the mic, and I cannot wait to see what happens next. But you ready for the main event? Yeah. Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul for the undisputed WWE Universal titles. Uh, facial expressions by both guys were really putting over the match, I thought, and the crowd was red or very hot. Uh at the start of it. Uh, Roman is toying with the challenger, walking around the ring until he runs over Logan with ease. Logan was showing off his hops with that massive leapfrog, followed with an arm drag and a crossbody off the barricade. He also did the buckshot lariat for a two count. Did it better Matt- than Hangman, I'm just going to say. I, uh, well, he also did it better than CM Punk. Well, well. I, could, I could do a better buckshot than CM Punk. I do want to see you do a buckshot, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'd both probably break our neck. Anyway, yeah. Matt starts slowing down when Roman starts locking in submissions and big rights in the corner until Logan reverses with a blockbuster and Superman punch of his own. I really like the frog splash into the standing moonsault that he does. Roman reverses with the rock bottom, but he holds. So Logan holds a phone in the hands that he gets from one of his friends. He's, you know, talking to it. He's talking to the crowd. Um, and then he hits a really good frog splash onto Roman through the announce table, and he held his phone as he did it. I thought that was really impressive. Usos and Logan's boys get involved, and actually, those two sold pretty well for not being wrestlers. Uh, Here comes Jake Paul. Uh, Actually gets a decent reaction, I thought. Nails both the Usos with right-hand punches. Logan hits another frog splash for a two-count. Out comes Solo. Logan flies onto the Usos. Roman... Roman hits a Superman punch into a spear and wins the contest. It was a pretty fun match here, I thought. Everyone coming out and the ring work by these guys is actually pretty decent. Uh, this match was all about Logan Paul, I thought. I thought he carried mm-hmm. the match, showing how much he's improved. You may not like the guy, but he's a straight-up athlete. I mean, he can really do this. Um, he's He's really crisp, like... There was a couple things, like when he was getting on the second row, sometimes his feet get, you know, tangled or something like that. But other than that, I mean, he is he's really clean. And uh, he can definitely be something to work with here. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if you saw, he did suffer multiple injuries in this yeah. match. Um, you can tell this was a match that it was everything it needed to be. Uh, Logan looked great. I don't know. I Actually, I know it was just me. I want to see Jake Paul in the ring. I, I do. I want. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see. <laughs> I want to see Jake Paul in there. I, I mean, listen. I I wanted him to beat pretty much all of his opponents just because I want to see the internet just explode and cry. That's what I like to see. So I've always cheered for Logan and Jake just because I want to see the internet just in tears. Uh, personally, <laughs> um, but uh, I do want to see Jake in the ring. I, I really do. I think he can be pretty good. Now, if it's in a singles match. Him and Solo, I think, actually could work. Um, I don't know how you'd like the idea of Jake and Logan versus the Usos. Um, so, I don't know what it's going to lead to. The match, 
the match was fine. Um, I think it was about everything to have an outside, but uh, definitely Logan was the star here, I thought. Yeah. Um, about future stuff, before I get into my thoughts, um, hope, hope Logan's okay. It was reported that he may have tore his ACL, MCL, and possibly his meniscus yes. as well. So um, hope a speedy recovery for him. Uh, but let's dive into this match. I think you're underselling it. If I'm being brutally honest, I, I hate how much I like Logan Paul right now, because when he first showed up, you and I did the same thing. We fucking groaned about it. We're like, Oh my God, why is he on TV? Like, why is he at a, why is he at WrestleMania? And then he, he looked good at mania and we're like, okay, well like it was fine. One off. And then he showed up at SummerSlam and wrestled the Miz one-on-one. And it's like, all right, well, he, he's getting better. And then it was announced he was going for the world title. And I'm like, all right, well, this is the stupidest thing ever. And even though the finish was predictable, we knew Logan Paul was not beating Roman Reigns. We know Roman's holding those belts until Mania when Cody Rhodes finally, you know, does. I don't know. Shut up. It's going to happen. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Yeah. But, um. God, dude, he is just too – he's a natural. Yeah, he really is. He For a really guy who, who has never been involved in wrestling up until this year, he says he's been a fan of it his whole life. Um, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But he's he's made a name for himself in other ways. You know, the YouTube stuff. Remember when Vine was a thing? Yep, he was on that. Um, and now he has his own, you know, big, big podcast – so he's a he's he's a media megastar. He's not a wrestling star. And the fact that he's such a natural at this and he's so good at it, and I thought Roman would have to carry this match. You you pointed it out during your rundown. Roman wasn't carrying this match. There was I thought there was real chemistry between these two. And if Logan Paul wasn't a part-timer and just kind of a you know a spectacle that popped up every so often. And now that he's injured, which which is sad, sad to hear, but I wouldn't be against another match between these two. You know what I mean? Like, well, these... I just don't know if you're gonna have time now. Well, I mean, no, no. Well, I'm saying under different circumstances. Oh, if, Logan, okay. if if Logan Paul was full time, yeah, and he wasn't, and he wasn't injured right now. Yeah, um, these two could have another match. Like they could put on two or three matches in a row, and I think they'd be bangers. This was incredible for for. A guy who three matches in? Are you kidding me? I guess that's just that's insane to me. I could have done without the extra stuff outside of the ring. However, story purposes, it made sense. Yes, it at did. the at the press conference, Logan Paul was like, "You're not the only one with a bloodline." Jake Paul's clearly there, so of course he's going to show up on TV. Um, I don't like how weak they made the Usos look, but I did love that solo. They clearly have stock in Solo. The fact oh, that Triple H loves them. The fact that the Usos take two punches and get quote knocked out, um, and Solo, there's not a finger touched on him, and he has to be separated yeah. because they're like, oh my god, he's gonna fuck up Jake Paul. Um, they they clearly have stock in, in Solo, so I'm I'm all for that. The bloodline standing tall at the end. I it is the right move, even though I want Roman to lose the titles but it's not going to happen until Mania, so we just have to accept that. But the result was the right move. But Logan Paul looks like a million 
fucks. And it, it, it sucks that he's hurt because WWE's not going to be able to cash in on that for a long time. But, dude, he's, he's, he's way, way better than I thought he'd be. And I hate the fact that I loved his match. I'm mad at myself. What uh, would you give it out of five? You're going to hate me. I went 4.3. I went 3.3. Um, Roman's matches are getting pretty repetitive for me. Um, a lot of right-hand shots is basically his entire offense, and then he goes for a sleeper. It's a Superman punch. People like the dog on Cena, but Roman's right there with him. He doesn't have a lot of moves in his arsenal. Um, I think right now, if you've seen one Roman match, you've seen them all. This was led or carried by Jake Paul. or Sorry, not Jake Paul. Logan Paul. Um, so, Logan, Logan, I thought, carried. I don't care what anyone says. I think Jake Paul looks like an absolute megastar on the outside. Uh, I really want to see what he can do. Um, and to my knowledge, these two have not dogged the professional wrestling business. Mm-mm. So uh, they respect it. And that's what I really like from it. Uh, <clears throat> you may not like these guys, but they respect the business and they want to be there. I'm all for it. So uh, we're going to have to see what it leads to. I want to see a tag team match between these two. Um, and maybe maybe you do, you know, the Logans versus – or, sorry, the Pauls versus Sammy and Solo. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it would be really interesting. Uh, I give it 3.3 just because I didn't love the ring work. I, uh, I thought Logan was good. I thought, actually, he was really good. Um, the outside stuff was fine. It made the story – but uh, I'm starting to get soured on Roman, uh, his ring work, personally. Um, so I, I think and my PWI, I think I had him at 60. I think that's fair for his ring work. Um, so uh, we're just going to have to see what happens with him. I think it's going to lead to him and Sheamus mm-hmm. here maybe oh, uh, yeah. soon. So, um, Dylan, do you want to talk about just your quick analysis of the night, your match of the night, and uh, your grade out of 10? Yeah, real quick, um, about the one one last thought about Roman and, and, and Logan Paul is I don't think this was as much about Roman as it was about Logan Paul. Um, like you said, Roman matches sometimes can get very repetitive, but I don't think that's what this I don't think that's the big takeaway here. I think this is about, you know, Logan Paul shined. Um and about them, you know, not dogging the business or anything. Um, I, I did watch the, uh, the Jake Paul fight last week with, uh, Anderson Silva. And during that pay-per-view, Jake Paul even hyped up this match. Yeah. So kudos to WWE getting some cross promotion there. They talked about it in their quarter three stuff. So, uh, uh, big shout out to them for doing that again. But, um, overall the night, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's somewhat inconsistent. It was a lot of fun. Um, I think it's the probably one of the better Saudi Arabia shows that we've ever gotten. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's even close. You and I aren't big fans of this. And however, one of the biggest things that I couldn't quite get over was somewhat of the lack of talent that didn't go to the show. Now we know, we know triple H. Well, no, but also we know Triple H's formula. If you're not in a big prominent story, there's no reason to put you on the card. Yeah. You did it with TakeOver so many years, but like 
to see the work that Rollins has done this year, and Rollins wasn't on the card. No, um, apparently there was. I, I saw a couple different reports saying that there was supposed to be an open challenge mm-hmm. for, like, the U.S. title. Um, and I don't know if they ran out of time or had too much on the card, but I was fine with it being left out. Yeah, I, you know, it is what it is. You know, things yeah. happen. People are going to get left off the card. But I'm just looking at the talent that didn't go to the show. We didn't see Seth Rollins. Um, I know at, talent is a bit of a stretch, but big name. We didn't see Ronda Rousey. She would have made sense to be on the card considering the marketing and stuff. Who would she have um, faced? I, I'm with you. No, I, no, I, I was just asking. I mean, even even if it was in the corner of Shayna Baszler, maybe they did Shayna and Natalia like they did on SmackDown. I don't know. Just Shayna beat the brakes off of Natalia. So. But it just it, – it did kind of – I don't want to say baffle me, but there were a lot of big names that didn't even appear on camera. Um, and with these Saudi shows, you want to think of, you know, who are, who, who are the big mainstream names? Well, that is Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey didn't appear. Seth Rollins, one of the biggest workhorses at WWE, didn't appear. Um, we didn't get – one of the Dexter Loomis teases, or we didn't get, you know, Johnny Gargano, who again is another workhorse, but isn't doing much. So I kind of understand that. Um, Austin Theory being Mr. Money in the Bank, no appearance by him. Um, so I thought some some of the talent being left off was disappointing. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but it also made sense in the end, like you said. If they don't have a big thing going on, what's the point of putting him on the card? But um, overall. I thought it was a very fun night. I've seen a lot of people dog this show, and I don't get why. I've seen a lot of people. What culture completely butchered this? Like, they, they hated it. But... If it was an AEW show, they would have just gave it probably a 9.8. Yeah. Um, but I thought, I thought the night was fun. I thought it was pretty well-paced. However, the low moments were very low. Um, Omos and Strowman didn't deliver. Um, what was one of the other matches? Brock and, and Bobby, kind of a disappointment, but also at the same time for storytelling. But, you know, it is what it is. This was still a fun night. Probably the best uh, Saudi show we've ever gotten. So what would you uh, give it out of 10? Out of 10, I went 6.5. And then what was your um, match of the night? So this actually, I was going to go, you know, I'm, I'm still going to go with um, – the OC versus Judgment Day, uh, just due to the sheer talent in that match. And Gallows and Anderson, I mean, they look like a million bucks. AJ is AJ. Um, and Finn Balor's clearly being groomed for a massive push in WWE when the time comes. Um, and you even mentioned under Triple H, his heel work has been top notch. Finn's a big, or uh, Triple H is a big Finn Balor guy. So it doesn't shock me that he's being treated so well. Um, However, a very, very, very close second, dare I say, was Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. Oh, um, Logan was the MVP tonight. Logan was by far. Yes. If we yeah. were given that out, mm. that that is the MVP of the show. He yep. he impressed. Um, I think I gave those matches around the same rating, right? I think I went. I think um, Roman was rated higher. Yeah, rated. Um, but I'm still going to go um, – that rating also is kind of inflated just due to the fact that Logan Paul is light years ahead of his time. Yeah. He's just, he, he's way better than he should be, but I'm going to go uh, judgment day. OC is as, as 
match of the night. I thought storytelling was top-notch. Even the subtle nod of Rhea Ripley having the same hairstyle as Beth Phoenix. I mean, storytelling's there. Yeah, great, yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Um, I thought it was a really fun show. I don't think the lows were that low, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I don't think Braun versus Omos was as bad as people are it setting was. it up to be. Uh, personally, in my opinion, um, Omos did his absolute best, and so did Braun. Remember, these shows are not who necessarily who Triple H wants to bring. It's who the Prince and Saudi wants them to bring. So they didn't want a Seth Rollins versus Roman. They wanted the megastar Logan Paul. For, they want Omos. Uh, you know, they, they want some of these specific names, and, and it's not just on WWE who they want. They When it was getting closer, they were like, all right, so we're, we're going to want these two big guys on the front. We're going to want Logan Paul versus... So it, it, it's a lot of structure given, but probably Triple H has some stuff up his sleeve as well. So it's not just the Saudi show that gets to uh, book these shows, but uh, definitely some of Triple H as well, especially with the OC match and the Karen Cross. Um, I thought the show was really fun. Top mm-hmm. to bottom, I thought it was a real lot of fun show. Um, besides the Omos stuff, I don't really think there was a big dud. Uh, Brock versus Bobby was very oddly a storytelling match, which I did not expect going in. Um, I didn't dog as much just because it didn't go for very long. If it was 20 minutes and it did that, I think well, I would have been pretty upset. Now, eh, didn't matter. Um, I thought it was really fun. I actually gave it an 8 out of 10 on the night. I thought hmm. it was a really fun, uh, really fun show. Uh, I don't love these uh, Saudi events, but um, I, I definitely thought that this one delivered. My match tonight wasn't even close. It was the women's tag team match, Asuka and Bliss versus Damage Control. I believe it's going to be one of the matches of the year. Uh, absolutely incredible by these uh, four women. Alexa Bliss had the best match of her career, I thought. And uh, Asuka just – I just – it's just insane. If we do these lists again, I mean, if you have Asuka number one in the world, I, I can't dog it. I can't. I mean, she's she's proving it by age that she just continues to get better. And damage control continues to get more comfortable as a team. So I'm going to give it 8.10. The match tonight goes to the women's tag team match. But uh, really fun stuff in Saudi. And I believe uh, the plane took off and everyone arrived safe, which is good yep. to see. Um, all right, Dylan, would you like to tell everyone your dummy M moment of the week? Yeah, so my dummy M moment of the week goes to Michael Cole. Uh, from Crown Jewel. I don't know if you caught this. This just kind of made me laugh. I'm not going to dog anyone too much, but um, during Roman's entrance, he made reference that Roman Reigns has not been pinned since December of 2019. And he's like, almost four years ago. Kyle, it's not even three years ago. Uh, We're in November of 2022. Yeah, the dude says a lot of words. He's jet lagged. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, long trip. Yeah, like you said, he, he talks a lot. That's so like whatever. me in this show. Like I say so much, I lose it too sometimes. So. But um, it did make me laugh, and it was. <laughs> I turned to Chloe as he said it. I'm like, Michael Cole doesn't know math clearly because that's oh, only God. That's of course, only... that would make you laugh. Yeah, because I'm a child. But anyway, that's my dummy moment this week. Nothing, nothing yes. too bad. But uh, Michael Cole just needs to get some sleep before Friday. Yeah, short, sweet, to the point. Um, all right, so mine isn't as nice, but uh, of course, my dummy I'm on the week goes to WWE in 2010. Recently, what? Heath Slater talked to Cultaholic 
And in one point in the interview, they talked about the SummerSlam 2010 match where Team WWE, John Cena, John Morrison, R-Truth, Bret Hart, Edge, and Chris Jericho, David Bryan defeated the entire Nexus. He talked about how it pisses him off to this day because of how much sense it would have made for them to dominate SummerSlam and let the WWE group beat them at WrestleMania. So the big payoff goes to the faces with, I mean, John Cena didn't lose a lot in that time. So have him win the big moment, but let the Nexus dominate like in the middle. So it's more believable when it comes to that point. So he was like, well, why don't we stretch it all the way to Mania? They get the big pop, but we dominate everything in between. So it would make more sense. So that the bill could have been better and longer, like I said, and they would have been seen as bigger threats. This match still makes me mad to this day because of what transpired and the winners, everything like that. So WWE in 2010 goes my dummy on moment of the week. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, or he's not wrong, I should say. I, I, I do still believe that the Nexus should have won that SummerSlam match, but Super Cena, uh, Cena wins, LOL. Hey, look, we love John now, but 2010, John, I could, I could, I could see why people didn't like him for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, Dylan, do you remember this match well? The 2010? Yeah. Yeah, do you? Um, yeah, Cena took a DDT on the concrete. Yeah. And then eliminated like the last two or three members by himself. <laughs> yeah. So uh super seeing him. Even back, even but... Edge Edge and Jericho, I think on the Talk is Jericho show when he had Edge on, they both talked about how stupid that was. <laughs> They're like that was that was himself as like, yeah, I probably should have done that differently. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was a different time. It was and... probably a Vince planned finish. Yeah. Oh, oh god. Yeah. yeah 100%. So yeah. John Cena just didn't lose a lot in that time. And it's just is what it is. And that with Roman, he doesn't lose a lot either. But the thing about Roman is that was 90% Vince. Triple H is just trying to take that story home. Well, Triple H is in a box right now. So Vince, Vince put both belts on Roman. I mean, I don't think Triple H wanted that. With, with the finish, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Rock at WrestleMania. I really wouldn't. Um, with... That that uh, Bray promo saying that like he's got the big wrestling family. Could we see Cody versus Bray at Mania? So we have Rock versus Roman. <sighs> like I, they need to get the title off this guy here soon because people are going to start losing interest. But uh, I just you really just hope they him. do Cody yeah. versus Roman. Um, all right, Dylan, would you like to tell everyone what we're doing next week and get us out of here? What exactly? What are we doing next week? I know okay. we have. <sighs> Okay, so we there's a couple different things like last week. Yeah, uh, we're gonna try to get an interview in. Um, didn't work out this week. That's completely fine. Um, so we're gonna try to do it again this week. Um, one thing that we do have planned is, if that does not happen, we are going to be reacting to MLW's Battle Riot Battle event. Riot. Yep. So uh, I am very very excited for. It. I have not watched it. Um, I'm going to send Dylan the link so he knows where to watch it. It's actually not on YouTube, but it is free, so he doesn't pay for anything like that. So everyone listening can also watch it and then uh, be up to date with what we talk about. It's not very many matches. Uh, So the Battle Riot for Dylan, uh, it's 40 men. 
So it's basically mm-hmm. a 40 guy. It's basically the same format as a Royal Rumble, but you have to get pinned or submitted or, or over the top rope. So it's like huh. you can get pinned inside the ring. Uh, a lot of really cool uh, stuff happens in that match. So I'm really excited to see what all transpires. Um, so that is next week. So uh, Dylan, anything uh, else before we head on out? Yeah, so next week is we don't know exactly what we're doing next week, almost. We yeah, have a, we, have, we have a plan. We have a plan. Yeah. Yes, there's a plan for, for, for both angles, but um, who knows? Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about the MLW. We haven't done that really on the show before yeah. as a highlighted, but uh, a lot of fun. And um, I, we appreciate everyone listening to this point about 92 minutes in. Uh, Dylan, that's all I got from this week. Anything else before we head off? No, I need to get some coffee. Did you drink coffee? Yeah. I grew up. What? I grew up, Kyle. I matured. You drink coffee? That's interesting. I didn't know you like coffee. You, yeah. How do you not to... like black licorice, but you like coffee? Okay. Well, black licorice is literally just tar. I like, literally, ha- I think I ate a whole bag the, the other day. You're the grossest human being I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also did eat ketchup with pancakes, but. That's so uh, gross. <laughs> no, dude, do not knock it till you try it, man. Um, do not. No, no dude, I'm it. gonna bring a whole thing of ketchup. And you're just gonna eat it one day. But that's it. <laughs> that is it from us this week. I uh, appreciate everyone listening and all the support. We will get this on uh, today, so everyone can listen to it very soon. Uh, we will catch everyone next week with either an interview or MLW's Battle Riot. Yep. Go Lions.